Alrighty, welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intellectual dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co-host, calling in all the way from Charm City, Maryland, my pal Odell Norman. What is up, my hey, friend? Hey, what's up, man? What's going what on? What's happening? Were you doing some headbanging during the intro? Yes, yes. <laughs> when was the um, last time you actually headbanged and stage dove and slam danced? What was the last show you did that at? Oh, my gosh. You're talking about early 2000s or so? Like early. Do you remember the show? The last show, like, you really got crazy at? Um, no. Did you know the um, <laughs> picture on our fan page is of you with the Descendants crowd surfing? Yeah. It's one of my yeah. favorite pictures. Oh, man. That, was a, that, that show was phenomenal. But uh, I, re- I remember the last time I got caught in one, though, was I was at, oh, my God, it was like. Was it Tori Amos? Or, was it before what now? Was it Tori Amos? You could tell me. Yeah, it was, it was the uh, it it was the little affair, and uh, yeah, it was during what's, what's it was her between name? four non blondes and Sarah McLaughlin. The stage chick. <laughs> you and, said uh, I could do what I wanna. What's that girl's name? Lisa Loeb. Lisa, Lisa Loeb. Loeb. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that girl would have worked better. Was it a Lisa Loeb yeah. pit? <laughs> Lisa Loeb. <laughs> but no, it was I forgot I was at some sort of festival and I just so happened to be walking in the area of the craziness and I just remember somebody falling on top of me and I was like, Okay, I'm officially too old to be uh and you throw your hip out. Yeah, I threw my hip, I got a headache for the rest of the day. It was like, Man, what happened? I remember, you know, living to uh get on stage and jump off and do all that crazy My stuff. My rheumatism but. is acting up. <laughs> How about you? Oh, God. I haven't been to a, a show that wasn't a friend's show um, since, I think, 2003. I went to see Murphy's Law, but I didn't get in the pit. I think the, okay. the last time the last time I got crazy was when even Steven did a show, and I had to sing. We didn't have a singer, so we ended up not having a bass player because I was the only one who knew all the lyrics because I wrote them all. And I drank okay. a fifth of Mad Dog. And then Ooh. I, and this was at um, Kogan's Pizza. It was one of our last shows because, like I said, we didn't really have a singer at that time. And um, Norfolk. And, man, by the end of the night, like after that show, I was walking down the middle of the highway, like the street, the main street, the drag, stopping cars and, like, yelling at people's faces. And I was – I actually was on, like – I drank one fifth at the show that we did. I don't even remember much of it. And then I was in a CVS, physically walking around the store, guzzling another fifth of Mad Dog or a pint. I'm sorry, not a fifth. I'd be dead. A pint, the little pint things that came in. Man, that okay, was a yeah, hard yeah, yeah. night. That was probably the most uh, tore up. One of the top ten most tore up I've ever been in my life. I think another oh time goodness. was when we went to go see those ska bands at that um, Corner Kick soccer hall place. Like we went to see the Decepticons yeah. and um, yeah. what was that? And the antics, uh, antics, the antics. Yeah, that was it. That's the other ones I remember. Yeah, yeah I got pretty great. plastered there too. And that was all. That was like 
it was one of those things we went and we weren't expecting all of that. And uh, they were like, yeah, we serve beer here. We were like, what? It's a, it's a soccer place. They were like, yeah, we got beer. And then it, it, the beer was just flowing. <laughs> and the bands were crazy. I mean, it was good all the way around. Anyways. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Let us move on because most of the places like um, the Metro and the Asylum and stuff, we used to go see shows at Chamber of Sound. They're all gone now. We've outlived them all. So I guess yep, that's good. Yep. By the way, speaking of outlive, and then I'll move on, I want to dedicate this show to John Richards, who we just lost. Today or yes. yesterday? Yesterday of a heart attack or today? He 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 had a heart attack last night, and um, I found out this morning – and well, this after well, this morning, and then um, not too long ago, um, maybe a handful of hours ago, he uh, I, I, w- I went back on, and his niece had said that he had passed. So yeah, and it wasn't really looking sad. it wasn't it, yeah it wasn't looking good at the time he had a heart attack. Apparently, he was on he wasn't breathing on his own there. So um, yeah, yeah, John was an awesome dude. I we graduated together. Uh, Class of '91, McDonough. He was arguably one of the the nicest, most down to earth people you'll ever meet. Um, to this day, I mean, I had just talked to him a handful of weeks ago via you know via Facebook, just small talk. He just sent me a note asking how I was doing, and uh, yeah, so that yeah, it definitely hits home. And he's only 40, 42, which is it's uh yeah, that means yeah. like appreciate every day. And you know, it's always crazy to me. And then I'll try to wrap this subject up. Because, I mean, yeah. we used to party with John and Shannon Davis, him and his sister, and that's where I met him. Yeah. But what's always yeah. crazy to me is when somebody passes away and you look at their Facebook and you could see, like, they posted yesterday, but then they're dead today. And I just yeah. remember one yeah. time somebody had, you know, you'll see what other people have commented on. And all these people were commenting on this girl who passed away. She died in a car wreck. And I didn't know it. She wasn't on my friends list. And, mm-hmm. like, um, the night before, it said, "All right, guys, running out to get a pizza." And I was like, "Is that oh. the like message she put up before she got in a car wreck and died?" Like it's so surreal. Like you would never, unless you were actually hanging out with the person the night before. Which what are the chances? Right. If you have fifty friends, what are the yeah, chances? Yeah. Unless, you know what I'm saying? Like unless you were hanging out well, with them the day before, it's, like, it's weird, right, to go to someone's Facebook and see their final thoughts and they're like happy. Like I just watched the Smurfs movie and. and Four yeah. hours later, they're dead or something. That's kind of crazy, right? It is. It is, and, and you know that's that's the power of social media that you have that at your hands now that you can, you know, you can you you can put anything you want up at any time, and and it just makes you it it just shows you how life is such an unexpected thing, and then it can be taken away at any time. You know, we've had a few people that we've lost, and um. You see, you see the messages on Facebook or, or at MySpace at the time. Then all of a sudden, you're like, "Wow, they just literally posted not, you know, not too long ago, and now, now they're gone." Like, like I just talked to them, uh, and then they're gone. And uh, yeah, that makes it rough, man. I mean, it just it, makes it, it a lot more real in your face, especially like no matter where you are. Anyways, let's get off this exactly. grim subject because it's a fun music yeah. show. <laughs> D, real quick. <laughs> Come out from the shadows long enough to tell us who we've got coming on the show. Yes, the shadow knows. <laughs> Okie dokie. Uh, this week on Friday Night Dragon Trivia, we have comedian Caleb Simon 
and we're doing Seinfeld trivia, so it's trivia about nothing. That'll be fun. Uh, then next week we've got comedian Bombo Bilford, and we've got uh, Dan Frischman coming on from Head of the Class, and we've got Steven Spadoba, who's a men's child support advocate, and James Veradino from SLC Punk 2, and comedian Wendy Starling's coming back, Corey Clark from Warrior Soul, comedian Heidi Heaslett, uh, let's see, and then as far as I know, we've still got Victoria Ruiz from Downtown Boys, and then uh, the 21st. Let me interject maybe. real quick on two points of interest here. One, Corey Clark is actually going to be on our political show because that guy is sharp well, yes. hell when it comes to politics. So check so. that out on Ignorance Equation, just because he's a music guy. And two, mm-hmm. I think um, Victoria had some personal issues going on. And she had posted about it. She was, you know, we were friends on Facebook, and she was posting about it. And she said she might not be around for a while. And like a dummy, I didn't think uh. that she was going to take down her Facebook. She took it down. They don't really have a contact through any web page or anything. I tweeted right. at the band, but, you know, Twitter's notoriously unreliable, uh, especially if right. someone you know, gets a bunch of tweets coming in. So right now... So we'll let everybody know on that. On the page, we'll let it know. But right now, I'm going to say mm-hmm. that that interview is probably not going to happen in two weeks. Maybe up the road when she comes back to Facebook. All right. Always does. Okay, sorry. Good. Okay. Uh, and then we are having comedian Rebecca Lead coming in April. But the 21st, I'm super excited about because it is the first time we are having a guest who is actually currently on network television. Uh, we. We've had a lot of really, really cool people, you know, Jamie Farr and just uh, William Sanderson and just awesome people. But uh, we are having Nico Santos from Superstore, which is on NBC right now. Great, great new series with Monday American night. Carrera. Yes, it, it's so funny. Like, so funny. Um, the only thing missing is the people of Walmart. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely great. It is. It's it takes place in like a Walmart type store. What we're gonna watch on on demand on Mondays now, Gotham or Superstore, because they both come. Once um, Gotham comes on. Oh no, we, we can't They'll miss both, Gotham. Yeah, so can't we'll Gotham. have to catch That's it on on decision. demand or Hulu the next day. Yeah. 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 Alrighty. And I now will, I retreat to the shadows. I'll send you back <laughs> to the shadows where you keep everything running. All right, so I'm gonna say something that's musically related, and I'm sure it's not going to be that popular, but I was thinking about this today, and me and you actually touched on part of this on the phone last night, Adele. Um, uh-huh. I was watching NWA, Straight Out of Compton movie, Okay. and I'm sitting here, and they're showing um, parts from the Rodney King beating, and they're showing just, I mean, it's a movie that really pisses you off if you give a damn at all about social justice. And right. I'm just watching what these guys, you know, what Easy E and Ice Cube and um, Dr. Dre and all these guys went through, like all the corruption and abuse from the police. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's a movie that, like I said, if you have a soul, you're going to get pissed off. You're going to be like, man, look oh, yeah. at these cops, look how they're treating people. And then you jump on your Facebook and you see all these people whining about Beyonce dancers dressing up like Black Panthers and equating them to the KKK. And I just want to say, oh, man, yeah, yeah. especially the lead singer of um, the Cramps just died, right? 
Yeah. Did you hear about that? He just died like last yeah. week. I forget his name off the top of my head. David Bowie. Everybody that we're always losing. People you lose in your personal life. Life is short. And it's like when you choose just to spread hate, when you choose to be, to get pissed off about something like, oh my God, look at them, they're they're wearing, you know, they're wearing Black Panther outfits. What if this was, you know, white people came out and looked like the KKK outfit? As if that's the fucking same thing at all. And it just shows like the country is moving backwards, man. And nobody wants to move backwards, right? Like, you don't want to be an accountant no. and then two years later be a dishwasher. Or you don't want exactly. your daughter to be valedictorian and to be like a crack whore three years later. <laughs> like, nobody wants to move backwards. But I feel like this country is moving backwards on race, and among other things. And it's really disturbing to me. And it's disturbing that people, especially with the Trump phenomena, are kind of embracing it. I mean, a lot of people are speaking out. But I feel like a lot more good people, people that I know have always been good, solid people character-wise, are kind of coming out and embracing it. And that's crazy to me, right? It is. It, it is. And I think my opinion is is that um, I was I, – somebody had posted uh, – I don't know which video feed it was, but they they talked about systemic racism in, 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 the, in this country. And it was a really good piece. And basically – it talked about how racism, when it started, was really in your face. It was really, uh, you know, it was really in your face. Cross burning, you know, the fact that you know white people used one bathroom, black people used another. Schools are segregated, and then, and then of course things changed, and and laws changed. Civil rights movement happened, and 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 things were passed um, to stop that. But now people use racism. Instead of it, at, instead of it being called racism, people use it as an excuse. Um, so instead of it being racist, it's just you're implying you're not implying something, but it's just oh, you're too sensitive. Uh, yeah, yeah. There, there it gets political it, correctness, and you're a white it, guilt, you know, exactly. asshole. If bring it up and and uh, and 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 you see that all the time. I, I you know. The first thing I saw after the the Super Bowl was somebody was like, you know, one of the memes or whatever that gets put out on Facebook was it was a picture of people wearing a Confederate flag or or whatever, and they were like, oh, it's not okay to have this. And then the next picture is Beyonce and her and her dancers, and the, I'm like, huh? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, you have one item that's been, you know, a symbol of hatred. For hundreds on top of hundreds of years, and then the Black Party—I mean, the Black Panther Party—originally was just was a small party that went out to help get some funding for some people, and it turned into something bigger. But still, hasn't had the impact that 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 the Confederate flag or what it means or what it stood for. I mean, people literally died. A lot of people died. <laughs> you know, you know, in this country. You know, representing that, and it just it just boggles the mind. It, it really does. How well, to, to kind of that. bring it down because we've got Xander on the line. But to kind of bring it down, though, bring it back to home. Life is short, and as we're seeing more and more people we grew up with die, personally, yeah. like I said, out there, people we've enjoyed their music or their entertainment value. Like, to just choose that hill to die on, to just be like, I'm going to go full throttle about this Beyonce thing, and it will, and and. On the flip side, 
You've got Lady Gaga comes out, sings the national anthem, and to her credit, she got a lot of positive feedback. But then, of yeah. course, you also see the negative feedback. And it was oh, from yeah. both sides, oh. right? It was she didn't sing it well enough, and she's a, as she's a disgrace. Like, they're kind of painting it with that Roseanne Barr brush, yeah. like that she yeah. fucked it up. And then they got it on the other side where she sang it too well and made it about herself, and it was well, no I'm longer... Like- what happened to just the subjective opinion? Like, oh my gosh, I turned it on right when she started singing, and I, I, and I one, I admit, I forgot that she was singing the national anthem, and uh, two, I, I honestly I didn't recognize her. So all of a sudden, I'm looking at her for a while, and I'm like, who is that singing? And she's good. And then all of a sudden, it clicked. I'm like, whoa, that's Lady Gaga. Okay. And then as soon as she was done, you know, I, I posted. I was like, she, she absolutely killed it. And I don't care, and that's the beauty of, and, and I think a lot of people bringing it back full scale. I think a lot of people forget that there's all walks of life in this country, and and it should and it should be represented, and it was definitely represented, you know, in the Super Bowl, and to see a woman that a handful of years ago was walking around in a meat suit and everybody was like, oh, okay, she's just for show, to come back and not only kill the national anthem. She won a Golden Globe for a role on a TV show. She has a phenomenal album out with Tony Bennett doing duets. And it's like people still want to, you know, nitpick. It's, it's just crazy to me. Well, it's, I mean, but happy people, successful people, you know, and I'm not talking successful like, oh, I'm, I'm like I'm Gecko from Wall Street or whatever. I'm talking right. Gordon Gecko or whatever. I'm talking about people who are successful in their life. Like I feel like we're successful, we're happy in our lives. Like, they don't go around and just troll people. Even if I see something I don't particularly, it's not like my cup of tea, I don't sit right. there and troll them and go, you know, I saw your web video you did, and I thought it sucked and you're stupid. Like, I'm just like, okay, well, that's cool. At least they're doing something. At least they're in the fucking game. You know what I'm yeah, saying? And like, that's, and that's, that's and, and, and unfortunately, dude, that's the, that's the, that's what comes with the social media and that power now. It's that everybody has their soapbox. And you can have a soapbox, and you don't even have to put your identity out there. If you had to put your identity out there and, 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 and all the trolls, that, like you were saying, had to actually put their real name and, and their face to what they were saying, oh, man, it, you know, social media would be done. Kind of a coward <laughs> every, move, though, right? I mean, when I first started yeah, doing this, oh, yeah. when I started doing um, the, the even a written blog, but especially when I started doing the political show and YouTube videos and really getting out there, and I've had my share of death threats and stuff, and people are like, why are you using – now I write for If You Only News, and they, they were asking me when I started, do you want to write under a pseudonym? And I was like, no, man, I have an opinion. I'm proud of my opinion, and I want everyone to know my opinion, and I'm not going to fucking hide behind it. I'm going to come out and, and there's if you people don't like that died opinion, for you that yeah. yeah and there's people that have died for you that didn't have an opinion and had to create a lane that make their opinion for you to have an opinion and have the freedom to use your opinions and, and but of course everybody has one and some people tend to use it for negative things and 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 Xander will tell you too I mean the moment you put stuff out there as a musician you know this Nick you're always going to get somebody that's just like Never even heard it. Never listened to anything, and they're already like, "Oh, yeah." Oh, well, dude, there's people this, who've this. never heard the ignorance equation on Sunday, and they're like, "Screw your liberal propaganda machine." Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. um, "I'm the only liberal <laughs> on it." Like Fern and the Wayne are like Fern's semi-conservative, and the Wayne's as conservative as you can pretty much get. So exactly. 
you know. Anyways, all right, let me not keep Xander holding any longer. Tonight's guest is guitarist extraordinaire Xander Demos. His um, little background, like I always like to do, he, um, they kind of reached out to me through one of our fan pages. They're like, hey, check out Xander's stuff. I was a little skeptical because I'm not huge into metal. I mean, I know we've had, like, lips on here from Anvil because we love the guy. He's awesome. And we've had Corey on because I've always been a Warrior Soul fan. That's one of those metal bands that have carried over into my punk years. But I'm not a huge, huge. I was really into metal in the 80s. But ever since I got into punk in the early 90s, you know, like, I've I've kind of moved away from the whole metal thing. So I was skeptical, yeah. and I went and checked Xander's stuff out. And I was like, wow, this like this guy is a master of his craft. And I respect yeah, yeah. that. I respect anybody who can master their craft. You know, like if he was an electrician, he'd be a master electrician wiring up mm-hmm. like City Dome blindfolded. So I respect that. And these are people I'm interested in talking in. So talking yeah. to. So let me get him in here. And we will talk about all the because he's got a lot of great stuff going on, too. Let me get Xander awesome. in here. Xander, how you doing? Hey, guys. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing fine myself here. <laughs> right on. Hey, let me ask you, because I actually saw you post about this, and I thought what you posted was kind of eloquent about being a metal Uh-oh. guy, but really thinking that Lady Gaga killed it at the Super Bowl. What do you think about yes. the whole, um, all the haters and trolls who just have to find a reason to bitch about this? Yeah, well, here, okay, here's the thing. Like, what what exactly – this is what I – okay, my question would be this. What exactly are people bitching about in re- reference to the Super Bowl? And I'll, and I'll throw my opinion out there. Well, they're bitching about, of course, the Beyonce thing was some kind of um, in-your-face black moment that degraded white people because they were wearing Black Panther outfits. And then on the Lady Gaga thing, you've heard everything from – she did a crummy job, which disgraces the national national anthem, to she did such a good job that it was about her, and we kind of forgot it was a national anthem, and it was just Lady Gaga's moment. So she's, she's unpatriotic for doing a bad job, and she's unpatriotic for doing a good job. The, the, the trolls are everywhere. Okay, so, so um, now here's the thing. Okay, so I'll give you my quick little opinion on, on all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so... Number number one, the, the overarching issue is you can't stop trolls because I think I heard you say like when I when I kind of peeked in there that you were saying you know because they have their soapbox and they can hide behind um, you know an anonymous whatever then mm-hmm. yeah then they're they're going to exist because they they might not even feel the way that they're actually posting they might just yeah. say that just to piss people off number one number two people like myself and you guys and everybody else are fucking responsible. For for perpetuating this horseshit with these people because we perpetuated social media. Now, is that a bad thing? No, but I think that everything else has to be you know done responsibly. You know, as a guitar player, as a musician on Facebook, I do I, I do go off on some things. But one thing you will never see me do is strike down like you know with, like on something that is like full of like you know and uh, um, pure hatred. I might. Like, yeah. I feel that way about, like, an animal abuser. I will call an animal abuser every goddamn name you can think of just to put them <laughs> down further and lower than whale shit because that's what I do, okay? Yeah. But if it, if it's just a generality and someone says, I like this kind of music over that kind of music and that kind of music sucks, I just kind of, I mean, okay, whatever. You get, Are you happy that you said that? I mean, 
you know, do you do you feel better? I mean, and and that's so that's cool. So so that let me tackle. So that issue's done. Next issue, Lady Gaga as a musician and as a and as a person of my age in my mid forties, not really happy with you know like a lot of things that are in music these days. She mm-hmm. absolutely wailed on it. I mean, she killed the national anthem on every great level you could possibly imagine. Yes. Anybody that would yeah. say otherwise is full of shit. Because yeah, I'd exactly. like to see them, them attempt that. All right? That, that was hands down the best rendition of the, of the national anthem since the Whitney Houston anthem in 1991. Yep. Okay? Yep. That's, that's my opinion as a musician. And by the way, thank you for the uh, props, you know, talking about being a master craftsman. I mean, that's very nice compliment. I was very humbled to hear that. And well, absolutely. Thing, and I, let me interject you know, real quick here, too. I don't blow smoke of people's ass. If I don't like somebody, I'll tell some, <laughs> Like, I won't have them on the show to start with. I'm not going to have somebody on here just to tear them up. But, if, you know, right. I always like to give props where props are due. And obviously, yeah. you are a master of your craft. You have painstakingly put a lot of passion, energy, blood, sweat, and tears into this. And I think that needs to be recognized in a world where so much shit is watered down. I, I appreciate that. I, I, I can't tell you enough how, how nice it is to hear. Thank you, guys. For real. And then, yeah, uh, so no problem. The last, thing, the last thing we were talking about, I think we were saying about Beyonce. Now, I didn't catch Beyonce's uh, show live. As, as far as the Black Panther thing goes, I mean, I... I just kind of roll my eyes at that if I don't agree with it. The only thing that I found funny is that, like, when I went back and watched it again and she was talking about something that was kind of like a little bit of a slap in the face towards police, um, and, and she had, the, you know, she had, like, a, what, 100 police car escort or something like that to the stadium, I, that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing I just kind of, I, I kind of laugh at. Like, if I would see that meme on Facebook, I would either like it or just say, yeah, that's yeah, that sounds about right. And it doesn't matter what color her skin is. It's the whole thing of what she's saying out of her mouth. It has nothing to do with her, like her, her ethnic background. It has to do with what she's saying. And then she, and then when she leaves the stadium, she's like, "Hey, where's the cops escort me back? You know, back to my home." I mean, that that <laughs> part is the only thing that I would basically, you know, kind of like, you know, poke a jab at. But I mean, as far as the, you know, you know what I found the funniest, the, the funniest meme I saw about Beyonce the whole, the whole time, was what she was wearing looked like something Ace Freely wore back in the seventies. Yeah, that's what I, absolutely. That's what I. That's what I. That's actually what I laughed at. And back to what you were saying, is she channeling? Is she channeling kiss? You're a reasonable adult person, so if you see something that might rub you the wrong way for ten seconds, you might make a brief comment and move on. But to die on this, I saw today Kanye coming out saying a bunch of crazy shit about Bill Cosby's innocent and set up and stuff, and why I might think he's silly. I'm not going to sit there and go on a 12-hour rant about it and destroy anybody who thinks like Bill Cosby's innocent. I just I don't understand where all of the hate and I don't I want to get off the political part of it, but to wrap it up, I just don't understand all the hate and vitriol out there in social media. I mean, it's almost it's, as bad as all the cat pictures. But it's because it's there. It's, That's I mean, it. it's basically. Did you? I mean, did you guys ever see the the part the cartoon uh, Ren and Stimpy? Did you ever see that? Oh, yeah. I got the adult okay. version. All the um, ones okay. that were you, not aired on TV. Right. I have those, too. But I'm, but I'm talking about, like, a classic one about what's called Space Madness. You know, yeah. Can he, yeah. resist, can he resist the shiny red candy-like button? Yeah. You know, that's that's exactly the same thing. Can you Can you resist the need to shut the fuck up for 10 seconds, you know, about something that, you know, oh, my God, I saw this. I am so offended. I'm, I'm going to light this person up, and I'm going to be a badass. 
it's like, dude, really? I got to work and make money. I mean, you're going to, this is what you do? This is what you, you know, do. Stop. I mean, well, my and, co-host and on the political show has a bad habit of posting when he's angry and just kind of word vomit everywhere. And he's like, yeah, I was yeah, just really pissed does. off, but I don't feel that way now. And I was like, but do you have to put every single insane thought that goes to your head up on your Facebook? Or can you pause for a moment and kind of filter things out? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm just being real. All right, well, then that's why you get so much negative feedback. Mm-hmm. Because, no, I, I mean, and that's, and that's exactly it. I mean, if you're posting every single thought, you know, like, you know, you know what my favorite, favorite stuff is on Facebook is the ones that basically don't have any context. So, like, if yeah. I'm scrolling, and, you know, oh. there's, like, a meme, and then there's, like, maybe, like, a movie review or something else, and then somebody just says, I fucking hate you, with, like, ten exclamation points, and that's the only thing they put on there. That's the ones that crack me up, because that I resisted the urge at that point to basically say, oh, man, even though this person's a friend of mine, let, let me let me, let me me see it and let me piss them off more. Because it's just like you just put that there just so people would either like it or comment and say, what's wrong, sweetie? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's like, dude, I mean, if somebody basically put, puts a post up and says, Beyonce sucks, I hate her. Okay, fine. Just keep scrolling. Whatever. You know what I mean? But if, but if somebody just puts like that where there's no context, it, that that's the ones that I like that I like to jab at. I like, I like to poke the bear, you know. But I don't do it very often because I mean, if, if it is somebody I know, I am friends with, I interact with, then they might just be having a bad day, and I kind of let it go. But I mean, that's that is what social media is. I mean, that that is yep. the monster it has become. I, it, it's true. Couldn't agree more. Hey, you know what? I heard you play guitar, so let's move away from the politics and talk about some guitar. All right. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> Alrighty, because um, actually, I'm glad you guys got a hold of me because you grew up in Pittsburgh, such as I did. And when I was kind of looking through, I was like, "Damn, man, he grew up." I grew up in McKeesport, actually, and I used to go okay. like see Black Ritual. I was friends with those guys and Half Life. I was more into the more punky side of things, and we used to hang out at okay. Ides Record Store. I'm sure you remember that place. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Growing up in Pittsburgh with that music scene, and Andy Flag came out of Pittsburgh. I mean, that has a resonating effect on you, right? They had a music scene in the 80s that I don't think, and I lived in the D.C. area in the 80s, too. I don't think a lot of cities had the scene of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had an incredible, in my opinion, an incredible music scene in the 80s. Pittsburgh did have a great scene, but I, I have to admit that I wasn't part of it back then. I grew, actually grew up in Florida. I live in Pittsburgh now. So oh, I, I, grew up in the, I grew up in the Florida scene, and actually Florida had one hell of a music scene in the 80s. I mean, I think, honestly, I think every everybody did because, you know, it's like we're saying about social media. This doesn't have anything to do with politics. This has to do with, like, music. Um, right, right. The more, the more outlets there are, the more bands, the more music is that, you know, becomes available. Now mm-hmm. you have iTunes, Spotify, you know, Facebook. You have every, everything that, every tool any musician, you know, could possibly want or need to get their product out there. And whether their product is good or bad or otherwise, you know, it has a place to exist. Now, if we only had radio like we had in the 70s, then the only thing you'd hear was, like, Led Zeppelin and shit like that, and that's fine. But, I mean, you know, by the time the 80s rolled around, there was more of a visual aspect called MTV, and yep. all of a sudden we, we were exposed to m- many more bands. Then when just the general Internet came out in the, you know, like the 90s, when it became big in the late 90s, you had a, even more of an outreach, Right. Now, I mean, with social media, it's it's no, I mean, forget just the World Wide Web. You're talking about, you know, um, the ability to uh, uh, to reach everybody just on your phone. I mean, look at the look at that guy Gautier. 
okay? Whether you like yeah. that song that song he came out with three years ago or not, it doesn't matter. The fact is he recorded it, produced it, and put it out himself and said, Kiss my ass every other record company and he made he made bank off of it. And, and and you know what? That kind of shit I respect because um you know, he 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 superseded the channels, the traditional channels. And I think that's cool as hell. If you if you can pull that but off, but there were bands that, doing it before you know, that, though, right? Like Trent well, like, Reznor, like, self-produced. It's like everything. the modern equivalent of you know selling tapes out of your car. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go absolutely. go music, good example. Um, no well, effect. What I'm talking about, I'm talking about like a song of that magnitude. That song was massive. You know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't just for a niche market. I mean, it was for the pop market, and that's that's your biggest market. If you're trying to quote unquote make it. And you can reach that market. I mean, you're you're killing it. And he, I mean, he yeah, did. It. You know, I mean, he definitely did. What was the other band uh, a handful of years ago? Um, OK Go. They they were a touring band, played everywhere. And then all of a sudden, they made that one video. Yeah. Know, basically, recorded that one catchy video, and then they just yep. took off from that video. And, and it was yeah. I mean, it just it, it just it just something goes viral. I mean, how yep. the hell do you think Dragon Force made it? Dragon Force yep. made it from Guitar Hero. That was it. <laughs> Yeah, but then you got yeah, you know the dark I mean? side of that, right? Tila Tequila, who breaks big on MySpace, and now she's a porn star who thinks the world's flat. So, you know, Wait, there, who, there is an who, opposite who, who, side who of that, that coin. Tila Tequila. Oh, yeah, I remember her. Yeah, yeah. Now she's like some big porn star, and she thinks the earth is flat, and she's out of her mind. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, well, I would, I, would just, I would just call that standard, you know, uh, standard issue attention whoring right there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true that. So let me ask you the generic question I've kind of asked other people before because I'm interested in hearing your views on this, Xander. So this yeah. whole social media phenomena, so much content, it's so easy to get out there, but also it becomes white noise because you have to sift through so much garbage to find the little gold nuggets. So is is, yeah, is the payoff does. worth it when there's just so much garbage out there, out there you have to sift through? Or is it still a good thing compared... I mean, I think there's something to be said to pounding a pavement and having to stick your flyers up on telephone poles, right? And earning it. DIY I, style. I, I completely see your side of that, and I agree with it uh, to a point. Um, and probably, I probably agree with it all, almost all the way to every point. But this is one thing that I that I would... Um, where, where I would try to explain what you're... What you're what you're getting at? I yeah, would yeah, have to ahead. say, in all in all fairness, um, with what you just said, it kind of leads to the fact. Like I remember in 1985, 86, right around that time, sitting, you know, watching MTV, like you know, just doing my thing or whatever. And you know, the, and the VJs come on and they say, "Coming up this hour, uh, Molly Cruz new video," and we're all sitting there going, "Fuck yeah, dude! Molly Cruz new video is coming out." And it basically, it, let's say it happened at three o'clock in the afternoon, right? That's when they right. said that. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the video, the video wasn't wasn't played until three forty-five. They kept you waiting. You know what I mean? So, yep. would you like to go back to that and only see that video one time and soak it in, or would you like to go to YouTube and take that video and watch it about three hundred fifty thousand times in a row if you want? You know, if you want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, well, we've talked like, about that this. before, though. Like, I remember yeah. when I skipped um, school in the 10th grade, me and a couple of my buddies, we went down to Record Etc. in Smallwood Village to get the new Iron Maiden album, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, and that was a whole right. day of it. Like, we got the guy at the record store to buy us a fifth of Crown, uh, Crown Royal. We went to our friend Becky's nice. house. That tape 
just, just the smell of it. I could still, like, we were fucking kings. We were first kids in our school to listen to that because <laughs> we skipped school. And we're like, yeah, exactly. And if we had just been able to go to YouTube the day it came out and just look at it or jump on iTunes or whatever, it wouldn't have been that special. But I had that memory forever because it wasn't so accessible. And you know what? That part of it, I totally agree with you about. And I'm, and I'm, but I'm also happy to live in a time where that power of choice is is there. But I do, I, I completely agree with like those fond memories and stuff like that because I definitely can remember like little special things like that that I that I did when I was younger and you know it was a, it was a huge deal like I remember I'm probably older than you guys are I'm mean, like I said I'm in my mid 40s and me same and my here. friends around Florida no, we're my, we're my right friends there. and I around <laughs> oh you're all the same age okay yeah, so yeah. my friends and I in Florida man we were we got into that um that speed metal scene very very early in the game when we bought those magazines and you saw all of these album covers like Venom and Savage yeah. and Anthrax and all these bands were like, dude, we got to buy all of these. So we literally split the magazine into three parts. And we just said, okay, I'll get these, you get these, you get these. And we bought them. And we just sat there and, like, listened to them one day. And, you know, I mean, I even I even posted about about, about it uh, a couple of days ago because I was laughing about growing out of some of that. You know, like yeah, all I saw the music. That. Like, uh, yeah, of all the mm-hmm. metal that I'm into, I'm into more of, like, the precise metal, like the – like the progressive metal stuff and the stuff that I grew up on, unfortunately I listened to it. I'm like, Oh my God, like those are the, you know, like the, that, that production just sucks. And that, and I know that was the coolness of it back then because we just didn't have anything else to compare it to. And now these right. bands, you know, today they have, you know, I mean, a lot of them can record it in their basements or, you know, in a bedroom and it sounds amazing. And, um, but I think it, it was more like a stylistic thing as well. Like, I, I mean, there's, there, you know, like, I hate to use the term overrated because there are some bands that really get out there and you wonder, I mean, no one's, no one's, everyone's afraid to say just like hiding, you know, behind the, you know, anonymous face on, you know, social media. Everyone's afraid to say, dude, that band, they're, they're so overrated, man. They're not that good. There's like, I can name 10 bands that are better. I mean, I heard that 35 years ago and I still hear it today. I mean, so a lot of that shit rings true and I'm I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm okay. I, I I value other people's opinions on all that stuff. I, I was just throwing my opinion out there when I even said that. I was talking about Venom's Black Metal. I'm like, oh my god, this is like comical. But it, but I remember where I was in 1983 <laughs> listening to it. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, or something like Celtic Frost when they came back with like their Cherry Orchard. Oh, yeah. Or something like that. And you're like, what? I don't understand. I mean, lots of times we'll I'll go back and listen to something like Malice. Or um, King Diamond yeah, or yeah. something from back then. I'll be like, this is ridiculous. Why is why was this a thing? This is just silly. This doesn't even have any context to it. Like, like yes, I totally like, get where you're coming from. But yeah, when, when yeah. we don't have anything to compare it to, that's what you you know. That's, like you said, Xander, that's what you get. It's like, wait but a minute. The good thing on. is, is at our, at our ages, at least we at least we have that. We can say that we did that, and it, yeah. it was more. Spe- it was very special. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm always, you know, the funniest, one of the best movie quotes that um, I found, like, uh, you know, like, kind of telling at, at, between, like, a generational gap. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie American Beauty. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Kevin Spacey. Great movie. Yeah, one, one, of my, one of my all-time favorite movies. The part where him and Ricky are talking up in his, up in his uh, bedroom, and he goes, uh, wow, you're in the Pink Floyd? Because he's looking at him, like, saying, hey, this is music for my generation. And he goes, 
yeah, I like a lot of music. And he goes, man, I remember, like, I worked all summer to buy an 8-track for my car. And he looks at it and goes, man, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> he says, no, he's like, you know what? I had my whole life in front of me. All I did was party and get laid. And that was, like, such a great line for that movie because, it, it you know, he's talking about working all summer just to buy an 8-track, and then he's got this drug dealer that's making fuck you money, like, you know, hand over fist, like $2,000 a bag of weed, you know? And it's just like, wow. You know what I mean? It's like the perspective was it, it was it was so great, and I like being able to tell people, you know, oh yeah, like you said, I skipped school to listen to Iron Maiden's, you know, album just so I could be the first guy, and and someone mm-hmm. you know would would look at you now and say, dude, that's so lame. Why would you do that? You know, and still here and here. Exactly, <laughs> that, because that's what we did, and I so I agree with you. I'm just happy to have that power of choice. That's the only thing I think I was trying to get on. About that. Yeah, and that's kind of why I um, I do a radio show like this. I mean, we do a political show, too, and um, a couple entertainment yeah. shows. The reason I do a music show is because me and Odell were musicians. Odell, of course, is still a musician. He's still playing. I'm kind of hung up my bass. But it's like now I can kind of share. I can get into – this gives me an opportunity to discover new people to be into, and it gives me an yeah, opportunity right. to share bands like we had um, – Warrior Soul on a couple weeks ago, which was a huge influence on me. So it gives me a chance right. to share Warrior Soul with a bunch of kids who would never think to Google something. Never listen to them, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it gives me exactly. a chance to check out the Orwells because we had them on, and I had just kind of got turned on to them. And I was like, man, these guys, these kids are great. And I'm, I'm old enough now where I can call people kids. These kids are great. Right. Let, let me check them out. So I like being in this little comfort zone of – Old enough to be able to impart wisdom, but still young enough where I'm not taking Cialis and going to bed at seven o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know it's a nice sweet, sweet place to be, right? With Cialis, they love it. <laughs> Indeed. All right, let's dig into the guitar playing here because I was reading your page, checking your stuff out. I see your influences. Among them is Steve Vai, of course. You always hear that a lot yep. in the guitar world. I was actually kind of floored because anytime I see Steve Vai, it is always tied to Joe Satriani and Yingve Monstein. Were these guys influences <laughs> okay. on you? Because I didn't see them on the page. They okay, they absolutely were. But let me let me tell you about my my love for Yingve and Satriani, but but how they don't necessarily affect my playing. Okay, um, Satriani, without a doubt, I get, I've gotten compared to him by like a lot of people. Um, which, of course, is an honor because Satriani is legendary. Yeah, the only, yeah. Here's, this, yep, yep. I've, I've thought this about Joe Satriani ever since like he first came out. I, I bow down to this guy. I respect him. I've met him. I think he's a tremendous guy. He is an absolute monster player, without a doubt. The, but the only thing that I don't like about Joe is when he does like the shred stuff, when he goes into like his soloing, I've never liked that quite as much as I've liked other players. But his melodies okay. are the are the best there is. If you just said pick one guy that can write a melody, it's going to be him over everybody else. But I like I, I like to listen to his melodies, but with like Vi's technical ability, like for soloing and his taste for soloing. Like to me, Satriani is more he's an in the pocket guy. But of course, yeah, he's a shredder and he's a monster. I just prefer like the sound of like Vi's soloing or Sean Lane or Alan Holdsworth and those kind of guys over Satriani's following. That's the only reason that he's not listed there. But he's definitely, I mean, without a doubt, I mean, I've, I play Surfing with the Alien live when I do my little shows and stuff because I love that song that much. Oh, yeah. But when it comes to the, when it comes to the solo, I play the solo, you know, somewhat note for note, 
but I do throw in some of my own little things in, in there as well because I, I don't believe in being like a clone of somebody because then you don't you, you don't expand, you don't learn. You don't learn how to learn. You just basically, gotcha. oh, look, I can do this George Lynch solo. You know what I mean? And no, don't mm-hmm. do that. Do, do George Lynch's solo, then pull it apart and do your own shit. You know what I mean? That's what, as a teacher, I've always told people that. And they looked at me like I had three heads, you know, sticking out of my body. It's like, no, 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 no. Trust me on this. You know, you want to find your own voice because, you know what I mean? And Yingve, I mean, that was another band I was really into. Because I was always into the power metal, the Sabotages and Dio yep. and Iron Maiden. I was into Yingve as yep. well. And I was surprised he yep. didn't make the list because Yingve is just phenomenal. Yingve is phenomenal. And I absolutely adore and respect that man as well. But the but the thing is is Ingve's sound is very is the is the neoclassical thing and I'm more of an AOR guy. So gotcha. I'm more of a guy that, that would be writing solos for Whitesnake or Journey or Boston or a band like that ah, as okay. a, as opposed to Ingve. Now Ingve as a player, as a musician, I mean he is he's the top of the he's the top of the heap, there's no doubt about it. And um I mean I just like when when someone says what influenced your playing, like what grabbed you? Well, I gotta be honest. When Ingve first came out, I sucked. I sucked ass at guitar so bad that I was just like, "Oh my god, I can't keep up." And then I, I ended up getting a good guitar teacher, but he was more into like the the '70s bands. But he had the ability to play all the nonsense from the '80s. So he had all the right. technical ability of Paul Gilbert, but he had like the, mm-hmm. the feel and the and the style of like Jimmy Page. So when he was, and, and I'm not a big Jimmy Page fan at all, but I respect him as a writer. I mean, he's phenomenal. But what, so this guitar teacher, when he sat me down and started, you know, showing me this stuff, he's like, I don't want you to be a, a shredder or, or like a technical guitar player. I want you to be, uh, I want you to be a musical guitar player. And so with that said, Ingve w- w- had a huge influence on him, and he could play all that shit, but I couldn't do it. So he just said, you know, he goes, what, what, what is it that moved you? Like, what drove you to play guitar? And I told him, I said, Van Halen. Night Ranger, Journey, Boston, those four bands. And he said, "Okay, I got you." And as soon as as soon as he did that, he started morphing his teachings to me, more like, um, you know, like taking those those types of licks, but applying them to a song that, like, you know, like Peace of Mind or something. So he's like, "If Peace of Mind had this guitar solo in it, this is what it would sound like." And the second I he he, he did that the experimentation, I said, "That's it." And from that moment forward. I think that's, you know, that's what, like, I love Ingve, but I can't listen to the, the whole, like, uh, neoclassical thing for, like, longer than, like, a half an hour. You know what I mean? And, and that's a good you point. You've got a heck of a you know, guitar singer, Yeah, like, I'm checking your music out, and I'm like, and once again, not blowing smoke, but I'm like, wow, this is a unique sound. This is definitely something that's separate from other sounds I heard. Is it hard to find your own voice when you're expressing yourself through a guitar mechanism like that? Where you're, are you conscious, like, oh my god, that sounds too much like Vi, or that sounds too much oh, like yeah. Paul Gilbert, yeah. and you're just trying to find your own voice, or do you just play and just let it take you where it takes you? Well, I mean, that's a great question, but it, but it's also it's also a two sided question. Um, if I'm writing, then I then I basically I want it to sound like me, and it's okay to pay tribute to these guys all day long, but I just don't want someone to say, oh yeah, dude, you sound exactly like George Lynch. Well, thanks, but no thanks. I don't. I don't. I like George Lynch. So I mean, I used to kneel towards California and pray to Dawkins every day. You know what I mean? I love that. <laughs> but, nice. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? But but I don't want I don't want someone to say that I sound exactly like him. I would just rather they say, "Yep, there's uh, there's Vi and there's Satriani and then there's um, there's Brad Gillis and Jeff Watson and 
Eddie Van Halen. Oh, and then there's Xander. You know what I mean? Like to be put in that in that company is is an honor. But I I also you know I also like the fact that somebody would say, well yeah, at least he sounds like himself. Like here's a lick. Like if somebody is on YouTube, like my my ultimate goal would be, you know. Uh, hey, I'm going to teach you this lick in the style of um, Eddie Van Halen today. Oh, well, today, welcome to my YouTube channel. I'm going to teach you this guitar lick in the style of Xander Demon. Like, that would be awesome because I because I, I would rather be known as a guitar player, you know, that, that is more original rather than have somebody say, oh, dude, he can top every Steve Vai lick there is. No, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's well, important. Go ahead, Odell. Oh, no, and I, and I, know, I know being a musician, especially a guitarist, that's got to be tough. Uh, just because, especially yeah, cause I, I, I'm a, I'm a drummer, so I'm not in in the, in the guitar field. But I've I've always noticed how other guitarists see other guitarists, and the first thing they want to do yeah. is like, oh yeah, he sounds like that guy, or he sounds like that guy. And 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 the way you play, I know it. It that's something I like what you said because it's like you know I need to be who I am first before it's it's going to come out who my influences are. I don't care what type of music you play. Your influences yeah. are going to come out. That's what got you into playing music. Oh, but they, they absolutely are, yeah. Yeah, but the fact that you were like, you know, but I need to be me, and I want them to see, hear me and, and that, that, that's really cool. Because a lot of times, from what, from what I recall, going you know, going to the, the guitar stores and stuff with my friends, they're like, oh, yeah, that guy sounds like Patrick. Oh, yeah, that guy, yeah, yeah, he listens to a lot of right. guys. Or, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like... Uh, well, you know, have you actually really listened to the guy, or you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the goal—the goal is definitely. I mean, my goal is always to at least, you know, just try to stand out. And I mean, I, you know, you want to stand out for good reasons. I mean, or you know, or for your good attributes, you want people to say, "Oh yeah, man," you know, like uh, Xander's in that string skipping shit. So I mean, he, you know, he mm-hmm. does like a lot of those string skipping arpeggios or whatever, and it's right. it sounds, you know, it sounds cool. Um, but it sounds like him when he does it. He doesn't sound like you know any, anybody else. And that, again, that's that's the that's the ultimate goal. I mean, that's what um, that's why I picked up the guitar. I mean, you know, at first I picked up the guitar to you know to noodle around and, and learn stuff and you know explore and express you know musical thoughts. But once you once you have the basic grasp of everything, you definitely want to have the ability to you know to, to I guess to you know to sound like an individual. Not everybody goes down that path. I mean, I got to tell you, right, right. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. There's a lot of tribute bands around here, and I've I've gotten into arguments, you know, to the point where I just like laughed at people's faces where they said, "Dude, you're not nailing that solo, you know, exactly like it is on the album." And I'm thinking to myself, "Yeah, I really am. The only thing I'm doing is my vibrato is wider than this guy, or something like that." Or I've I've also <laughs> talked, you know, and I, I one guy I can't mention, I don't want to mention any names. The one band I was playing with um, was talking about me doing a solo from a very famous guitar player. And I and I looked at him and I said, "Hey, dickhead, um, I've talked to this guitar player, and I asked him about this solo on the album. I, I said, you know, you think I'm just some like podunk, you know, from this town? I said, but I've actually been out to L.A. But I've talked to these people, and this guy has said to me point blank that, oh, you know what? I wrote that when I was totally stoned and and high and drunk yeah. all at the same time. And he's like, you know what? He's like, I I, don't, I never played the same thing live. So I went back to him and told him that." And he's like, yeah, but the audience will know, and I'm like the fuck they will. You have no idea what you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, sure. You know, you know what I mean, like I went to the I went to the source. I went to I went to the source and asked him, and he goes, oh, dude. He's like, he's like, I can't even play those licks anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like, don't don't give me any of this bullshit. You know, so 
that's the kind of thing that you deal with, you know, with tribute bands, and, and that's cool. I mean, I didn't last that long in that, you know, that, tri- that particular tribute band. That's okay. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was, uh, it was. It, I'm just saying, it was like that kind of thing. With like, it's great to be able to copy somebody, to emulate somebody, or to pay tribute to them. But when it all comes down to it, I still would rather, like, I would rather hear, like, I'll, I gotta tell you real quick, 1986, when Van Halen sort of split and became Van Hagar, and then David Lee Roth did his own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. In, I was in seventh heaven because I thought 5150 was the greatest fucking album in the world, and I thought Eat Him and Smile was the second greatest album in the world. And <laughs> I saw I saw both of those tours twice in that in that like time period. It was like 18 months. And I absolutely loved hearing Eddie Van Halen play Sammy Hagar songs, and I loved hearing Steve Vai doing Eddie Van Halen solos because – they didn't sound a goddamn thing like Eddie Van Halen, but you knew that it was the same solo. That was yeah. that's my whole point. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like Vi does Van Halen. Does he do it better than Van Halen? No, that's not the point. He does it his own thing, and the notes are there. Like when they played, when David Lee Roth played Jump, and Vi rolled into Eddie Van Halen solo, it was like so cool because he was definitely doing his own thing, even though he was paying respect to a guy like Eddie. Yeah, you know what I mean? that's, so that, that's what I'm talking yep. about right there. Yep. But that's a good segue into something else I wanted to touch base with you on. If you look at the 80s, and if you look and through the mid-90s about before metal kind of started to break up, metal guitar, like that was a big component. You kind of wrote songs around the leads. People expected yep. you'd go to a big concert and you'd see these big guitar solos. And then you fast forward 20 years later, and it's not as prominent. You're not seeing, like, Disturb come out or Slipknot and do these giant guitar solos. Do you feel like something yeah, right. is lost because you're losing kind of that methodology of the whole building a universe around these leads? Or is it good that it's kind of evolved this way? Um, you know what? That, that's, that's a great question, and it, and it, has, you know, it, it has a couple of different answers. Um, you're basically seeing the influence. You're you're you're, you're seeing the influence of, um, of you know, like the grunge era when guitar solos just weren't cool anymore. Right, and, right. Uh, some of the guitar players that grew grew up on that are gonna are gonna stick to that you know that that type of um, that type of thing where they say the quote unquote the groove is more important or this is more important or that's more important. And you know what? That's all well and good. Um, but the bottom line is. Um, you know, it, I, I like nowadays, like that kind of gu- guitar gunslinging has come around so much that mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's back, it's packed with a vengeance, and it's packed with like really really good players that have really un- unbelievable mechanical and technical skills. Um, you know, like you know, disturbed. You know, trying to do like you know, Dan Donegan, great player. Um, you know, when he does a guitar solo, it sounds you know, it sounds great, but also he sounds like a guy that didn't grow up on the same shit that I grew up on. You know what I mean? That, yeah, that's the whole right. point. And, yeah, and, and, that uh, was and, my and point. you can definitely hear that. Yeah, and that's and that's cool. But like I said, I think what you're seeing is you are you are seeing the the eventual um uh you're you're seeing you're seeing the eventual uh, influence of that type of music that was you know bond around the time when people just didn't play like that anymore. So that's that's pretty much it. Well, that All was right. the beautiful thing about uh, Coheed and Cambria was it was the fact that. All of a sudden, they brought all that in and, 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 and took it and put it into their stuff. So a lot of the younger kids were like, man, I didn't know you could do solos like that. I'm like, yeah. You know, yeah exactly. I was a little older. I'm like, yeah, these guys listen to the stuff, 
you know, they were listening to their parents, though. <laughs> and, and, right. You know, that's, exactly, that's, that's exactly right. Yep. All right, let me move on to this because we're talking about gunslingers and and guitar, and I'm looking over this um, IMDb of Here I, Here I Go Again. And, of course, this is a movie that you're in. I'm seeing Ron Kill, which I was actually a Kill fan, too, back in the 80s. And, um, of course, Pilsen from Dawkins and some guys, some of the guys from Quiet Riot and all these legends, man. Names, I, I mean, I haven't thought yeah. about the basis for Trickster. I haven't thought about Trickster in 100 years. Vixen, another yeah. band I haven't thought about. Killer Dwarves, I'm, I'm a huge, I love, I still love Killer Dwarves. We had Russ on the show a long time ago. Um, yeah, tell man. me how you got involved in this movie. I watched a couple of the trailers and scenes from it. It seems incredible. I wish I could have got it. It said it was going to be available in January, and I couldn't find it. Now it's, say, in March. But how did you get involved in this? Because this seems fairly incredible. Um, I got involved with it because the guy who made it, Kyle Kruger, is actually a friend of mine from the Tampa Bay area. We grew up together. And, uh, of course, you know, thanks to social media, the positive side of social media, um, you know, we became yeah. friends and we were, we were chatting about it. And, uh, my, uh, my solo band was actually on tour out in Denver, out near Denver where he lived. And he said, Hey, listen, well, you're going to be here. Why don't you come in for a, uh, you know, like a interview segment. And, you know, then I talked to him and Steve McClure about it, about uh, doing some music for the, um, uh, for the movie too. So I, I wrote a score piece and I also, uh, donated a, uh, uh, a track from my guitar Katie album to the, uh, to the extended soundtrack. So, I mean, it was, you know, very nice of them to have me involved in it. I mean, I'm obviously not as big as the other stars that they have in, you know, in the, because those, those are the guys that we grew up on in the 80s. I'm more of like a of a newcomer in the scene. And, yeah. um, you know what I mean? Like, same age as, like, some of those guys, but but definitely a newcomer, you know, overall. And, um, you know, it was very cool of them to involve me. Like I said, it might, might have been a little bit of nepotism there, but uh, Kyle would tell you otherwise. I mean, he's, he's a good soul. He basically just said, no, you know what? love to have you in there because of the fact that we did grow up together and you did, you did know that Tampa music scene. And, you know, since that's where we're from, you know, we want to, we want to talk about that. So that was really cool. And this is going to hit in March, right? Yes, it is. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to check this out. And I mean, I love when I see um, the movies that kind of encapsulate the eighties and there's been several types of documentaries and I, it always tickles me when I watch them. Because it just captures, I don't think kids growing up today can understand, and I go back to getting that Iron Maiden tape skipping school, that vibe of the yeah. 80s. And it might look silly now. Someone might look at a Poison video now or a Firehouse video and laugh their ass off. But when you were in that moment, it was like, oh, man, look what this guy's doing over here. And look how this band, look how Motley Crue's kind of the same, but they're doing something totally different than Kingdom Come. And Kingdom Come's mm-hmm. doing something totally different than Lizzie Borden. And you see all yeah, of, exactly. like everybody's take on it. And I, I feel, once again, everything's so homogenized now. Everything's so watered down. I really feel like that's lost in today's music. I, I, I completely agree with you. And, I mean, I think that's that's one of the, the great things about, you know, Kyle doing that movie. And that's also one of the great things about, you know, some of these other guys out there doing that movie. They're like, uh, uh, I got to do, like, a, a judging with uh, Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot. And uh, wow. it was a couple of years ago. And, um it was it was a really cool like little event and I got to meet all those guys and um you know hang out with them and we we were just talking music obviously the whole time and um you know they they just did that documentary called Now You're Here There's No Way Back and there's a lot of you know de- uh, detail on the uh, the Quiet Riot band you know about what happened with Kevin DeBro dying and stuff like that 
And uh, okay. I mean, all it, like there's there's actually like a very interesting story behind a lot of this stuff. I mean, it wasn't just you know guys that you know came in off the Sunset Strip and got handed a few million bucks to you know piss away and you know and uh, I mean there was there was like there's actually like really good history and like really good lessons to be learned from that stuff. So I like seeing those kind of documentaries too. You know, they, they make a lot of sense. Absolutely. All right, real quick, let's move on to Bad Jupiter, which is your new album coming out. And, of course, I went back, listened to everything on his Arcadia. How do you make Gods of Jupiter? Like, how do you make it be its own thing and distinguish it from the first album? What's the process going into something like that? Well, you know what? You actually broke up a little bit. What was the, what was the band you were talking about? So you got Gods of Jupiter. That's your next album coming out. How do you distinguish that from oh, yes. the first album? Like, how do you make it so it's a different thing? It's not just an extension of the first album. Um, what makes it different is this, there's going to be a lot more. First of all, there's going to be a lot more vocal stuff on there. And, okay. Cool. Um, and and second of all, um, the the instrumental that I'm doing, I, I I broke away from that Satriani type of like straight ahead driving rock. There's, you know, there's like a ballad, like an actual ballad on there. There's a, um, there's more like a fusion piece where I get to kind of do some improv stuff, which is really big with a lot of guitar players that, you know, that you hear about today, like Upper Govin and some of these, you know, fantastic players. So there's, um, and there's a couple of things that I don't want, I don't want to give too much away on it because I don't want someone else to say, oh, that's a great idea. Let me go out and record one and get it out before he does. Um, <laughs> right, right. Because, because that kind of bullshit happens, as you know. But, um, it does. Uh, but, Basically, it, it's what happens with those um, with with those songs is I think personally that the songs are a little bit more mature. I'm not slagging my own work in Guitarcadia, but Guitarcadia was very much of like a, a straight ahead. Like I have my my mindset was I have all of this shit piled up from like 20 years, you know that like the little instrumental pieces that I wrote here and there. I want to get the, I want to put them all together and like and then put them you know on a, on an album and and then sell it, and package it, and that's it. And this one, uh, the stuff I've written was written, like, I think from a more, you know, I'm me in this time period, as opposed to the stuff that, I mean, like, there's a song on Guitar Arcadia called Medical Actic. I wrote in 1988. I mean, I, like, yeah, what, I, you hear on, what you hear on that album is the same as it was in 1988. So, I mean, that, that just goes to show you that, you know, some of this stuff just goes back years, where the stuff that's on the new album, um, is is literally only goes back maybe a year or two, like when I started writing stuff. So it's it's newer. That that's going to be the the big di- um, differentiating factor. And then when, where can we find this? When does it come out? Give us all the info on it. Um, you uh, find it on my website xanderdemus.com, and you can uh, also, I mean, obviously find me on Facebook. And you guys already have because you guys are commenting on my silly posts. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, uh, Facebook.com/slash/xanderdemusmusic. Uh, that links to YouTube channels, Twitter, all that kind of good stuff. And, you know, most of the stuff I do on there is, you know, is all in good fun. You know, it's all, you know, it's talking about music and gear. And, yeah, yeah. And anybody who nice. wants to talk gear about me, I'm a huge gear whore. So, I mean, I, I'm always up for talking about that kind of stuff. All right, let me hit one more thing, and then I'll let Odell, if he's got anything else, kind of close us out here. But you are a big sci-fi fan. Of course, I've got every Star Wars movie, every Star Trek movie. And when you think about the vibe of sci-fi. And I'm not talking about any yeah. particular like Goblin or something from like the old horror movies or anything like that. But when you just think about the vibe, does that have an impact on how you write music? Is that going through, are you thinking of like there are spaceships and battles and shit going through your head when you're writing music? Or is that very yeah, separate I, from influence-wise? No, 
No, that that is. I mean, that that's a huge influence because I because I have to tell you, like you're, you were talking about guitar players influencing me, but one of my biggest musical influences is, is uh, movie scores. And um, movie scores, in my opinion, of today are more like you know individual compositions as opposed to like themes. Like John Williams was the master of writing themes. I mean, who doesn't know Jaws or or Superman yeah. or Raiders of the Lost Ark or Star Wars? You all know that that is a theme. But when you, if you listen to it by itself. It sounds, you know, it definitely sounds like it's um, it, it's made for a movie. But but if I listen to, like, for example, the Transformers score that Steve Jablonski did, um, that, those pieces could be done like, you know, like it doesn't necessarily have to be part of a movie. And I think one of the most famous pieces he did was used in a, almost a half a dozen uh, movie trailers because it was such a great piece, but it's from a movie called The Island. And it, the song is called My Name is Lincoln. And it's basically a scene from the end of that Michael Bay movie called The Island. And a lot of people don't realize, like, oh, my God, listen to this cool music in this trailer. Yeah, well, that's from a movie, dude, you know. <laughs> and the song kind of, like, sits on its own. So that's so when, when you're talking about, like, sci-fi and stuff, you know, Howard Shore does uh, Lord of the Rings and, and, you know, these other, like, Hans Zimmer's masterful work on, like, all these movies that he does. That stuff is is what really moves me and drives me, like for mel- for melody writing and like you know creative process. Very nice. So the new Star Wars, yay or nay? Because I know there was, and this is another ridiculous thing. There's controversy. Oh my God, the Star's a black guy. What do they do and putting black people in space? Or they had to send a Princess <laughs> Leia. How dare Prince Carrie Fisher come back? Like at her age, you know, a thousand dorks can't masturbate to Princess Leia anymore because she's a grandmother now. Like, just all the right. the fake outrage around it. What did you think that when you went and saw Star Wars? Did it capture that 1977 10-year-old Xander going into the theater? Or did it feel kind of... Because I kind of got like a, eh, all right, it was what it was. It didn't capture me like I, I was hoping it would. Especially with Harrison no, Ford I, and know, Carrie I, Fisher coming back. I actually, I, I really dug it. I mean, and and i gotta, I got to be honest. I mean, I have like a Star Wars collection that many nerds would be very envious of. Um, I mean, I've been collecting shit for years and years. I mean, I keep stuff in the in the packaging, and I mean, I, I had more of a passion for the vehicles because, you know, sometimes the vehicles would come out for like only six months, and I would buy one or two of them, stick them in a plastic bin somewhere, and then basically all of a sudden, boom, they were worth a thousand bucks on eBay. So, oh you know, yeah. You know, you know what I mean? So like, I'm really into that kind of stuff. But um, you know, so I'm a huge Star Wars fan. But so when I went to see The Force Awakens, first time loved it. Second time, I got to analyze a little bit more, and I and I. I genuinely like it. I mean, it, I think it captured, uh, you know, like the original vibe. I mean, a lot of people say it was kind of a rehash of the original movie. Um, there might have been something there, but I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of new things in there as well. And I mean, you got a bigger audience Yeah, yeah. And what I liked, what I liked the best about it, I think, is the fact that there was no there there was um, there was loose ends at the end of the movie. That's what I liked the best. Yeah. Because yeah. they oh, yeah. made it. They, they made it truly as part of a trilogy instead of a standalone movie. Then all the movie dorks, like the ones that don't, you know, they're asked from last Tuesday about, you know, what to be pissed off about today or tomorrow. And all they did was bitch about the fact that, oh, you know, Luke's only in it for this long and blah, blah, blah. It's like, guys, come on. It's part of a trilogy, not a standalone movie, you morons. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, let me say this, and so, I'll hand this over to Adele. The only thing I didn't like about it is it felt rushed. It felt like they had 20 years of catching up to do, and they were trying to cram it into this two-hour movie, where if maybe they spread things out among the three movies, 
I would have had time yeah. to get more emotionally invested in it. And that's just kind of my little nerd breakdown of it. But I kind of felt like I was being grabbed and rushed through the experience. What do you think, Odell? Um, I, well, I, I'm sort of – I lean towards Xander's point more. I, I I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was it was well done. It was. I think the beauty of it was the fact that it was in today's time, but it wasn't over computer, like CGI, like – you know how George Lucas did the first three. They're written, you know, not four, five, and six, but the first three that came out a handful of years. Right, ago. right. You could, you could, you could feel that he was like, "Oh, I got a new little toy, and I'm gonna do what I do." And then, and it just came out. It didn't come out the way that this came out. But JD, I, the way it was done, it had to me. It had that feel of Star Wars and, and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And and in coming full circle is like I have a, a, a six-year-old boy, so. Me taking him to see that, you know, was like, man, I remember my dad was taking me to see Star Wars. Now I'm taking and, and getting the same chills and, and, you know, it was funny seeing it from looking at his perspective because the moment they showed Luke, he was like, man, dad, he's old. I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> Jedi don't get old. Yeah, you just saw Star Wars a few, like a year or two ago. So you saw the young Luke Skywalker. You're like, so. But it was, that was the funny part of the whole thing to me was the fact that my kids are like, man, Han Solo is old. Luke Skywalker is really old. I was like, well, and then going back and explaining, which is always fun to do. So, but I, I, I loved the movie. I thought it was great. Oh yeah. All right, Xander, you were such a great guest. We actually ran 10 minutes over. Um, on your way out the door, why don't you tell everybody where we can find you and just kind of set up. We're going to end on right angles. If you can kind of give us a little background on that song and tell everybody where we can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can find me, again, like I said, XanderDemus.com. Uh, whether you spell it with a Z or an X, it's normally spelled with an X, but if you spell it with a Z, it'll take you to the same place. So it's all good. Um, from there, you'll see all the links. You can go to the click on the store to get CDs and all that stuff. And if you are so inclined, I will sign a CD for you when I send it out. So, um, so we're, we're all good there. Um, and then, yeah, that's basically the best place to find me because from there, that's like your portal to YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of good stuff. So, um, yeah, that's where that's that's where I am. Very nice. All right, you want to say anything right. about right angles before I hit the good old play button? Yeah, so Right Angles was what was the very first song mixed for the uh, for Guitarcadia. Um, TJ Snare from Firehouse did the mixing and mastering of the album. He did a fantastic job, I think. Um, and, uh, I mean, as a huge Firehouse fan, I mean, it was great to work with him and get to know him and become friends with him. Um, but Right Angles was, was the first. And uh, just as a little bit, bit of trivia, later this year I am releasing a vocal version of Right Angles. So it's very cool. Nice. nice. All righty, Xander, you've been a great guest. Thank you very much for coming on tonight, and we will be in touch. Thanks, Xander. All right, thank you guys for having me. It's been fun. Thanks, man. All right, All guys, right. that is it for Musical Osmosis. I'm not sure if things are going to work out with our show in two weeks, so we will probably be back, um, what is it, I think March 6th, we'll be talking about the new Salt Lake City Punk with the director. All righty, guys, Woo-hoo. good night.